California prepares to vote on forcing public universities to provide abortion pills to students, ignoring FDA concerns and requirements. Then, South Bend mayor and presidential candidate Pete Buttigieg rallies behind his city's unlicensed abortion clinic, despite the clinic's long history of health violations. We will examine what these stories have in common. I'm Seth Gruber, and this is Unaborted. So you may recall the escalating battle in the state of California right now over a piece of legislation called SB 24, which would, which would require public universities to provide the abortion pill in their health centers to college women. Now, this piece of legislation was proposed years ago under the governorship of Jerry Brown. And so Live Action News on August 7th broke a very helpful story called California Legislators Could Vote This Month to Dispense Abortion Pill on College Campuses. And so this debate and this controversy is starting to come to a head. And by the end of August, we may have a decision from the California Senate. And so the background of this piece of legislation is summarized by the Live Action News article. This is what they say. They say, last year, Governor Jerry Brown vetoed legislation at the time called SB 320, Okay, that would have required every state college or university to commit medication abortions on campus in their health centers. The bill sponsor, Senator Connie Leva, immediately promised to reintroduce the legislation as soon as she was able. So a real peach. And she has done just that. The new bill, SB 24, was introduced last year and in April... It was approved by the Senate Health Committee. A final vote is expected to come at the end of August. And of course, our new governor, Gavin Newsom, has already said that he will sign the bill if it passes. So our former governor, Jerry Brown, who was no friend to the pro-life movement by any means, by any definition, vetoed this legislation. So what's, so what's going on here? Why this legislation in the first place? And, and, and why such a different response from the current governor and our former governor. Well, according to the bill's sponsor, Senator Connie Leva, she basically just wants to make killing babies easier. This is what this is really about. She's a tool of Planned Parenthood to, to kill more babies because this is a profit-driven industry. These people do not care about health. They care about profit. And so according to the Live Action News article, quote, um, Leva said that students shouldn't have to travel off campus or miss class or work responsibilities in order to receive care that can be easily provided at a student health center. So, so we love abortion so much here in California, well, those of course shoving this legislation, this senator, that we're going to, to mandate from a state level that universities, against their, I guess, against their preference, it didn't really matter, we're going to force them to carry the RU486 abortion pill in their health center and provide it to students. And the legislation seems to suggest that they're going to increase students' fees 
to, to cover some of the costs of this, this abortion medication on college campuses. So, so Senator Connie Leva is basically saying we just need to kill, make killing babies easier. God forbid that a woman drives a few miles to an abortion clinic or a Planned Parenthood, which are always conveniently located very close to campuses. No, she needs to be able to walk uh, a quarter mile to her campus health center. Now, Live Action News um, was actually quoted Jerry Brown's decision when he initially decided to veto the bill. So here's a little background into why California's recent radical governor in his own right vetoed this legislation. Quote, according to a study sponsored by supporters of this legislation, the average distance to abortion providers in campus communities varies from five to seven miles, not an unreasonable distance, said Jerry Brown in his statement explaining his decision. Because the services required by this bill are widely available off campus, the bill is not necessary. That is entirely reasonable. And that's probably the only time you'll hear me use the word reasonable in a sentence explaining Jerry Brown. That's entirely reasonable. This, these abortion pills are already available at every Planned Parenthood facility, abortion mill, alongside with plenty of other abortion clinics that are conveniently located next to college campuses because, of course, college women are in the age group where the most abortions are performed. This is a radical piece of legislation. And for the abortion juggernaut that describes themselves as pro-choice, this their decision to push this type of legislation and mandate university campuses to carry abortion pills and provide them to students is not a very pro-choice thing to do. There's a very ironic nature to their decision that cuts against their narrative that they're pro-choice. Okay, let's talk about choice. Is there any funding for nurseries or daycares on these college campuses? What efforts are, is Senator Connie Leva and, and her pawns making to ensure that women have choices if they're facing an unplanned pregnancy while they're in college? The answer is none at all. There's no funding that they're trying to include to give women the choice to choose motherhood or to remain a mother because obviously pregnant women are already mothers. There's nothing to help women like that. No, no, no. Just come on into our abortion health center. Here you go. Here's an abortion pill. This will cause your baby to die and deprive it of nutrients, and then you can deliver it in the toilet in your dorm room. That is not pro-choice. How about a program that helps pay students on campus who are certified and trained in infant care to help watch and take care of the infants of their female colleagues? Any program like that that we're pushing funding for because we're pro-choice? No, not at all. And by the way, this is exactly what I did in college. I attended Westmont College in Santa Barbara, Christian Liberal Arts College, and a friend of mine who was in my same class returned for our senior year with a baby. <laughs> and so twice a week, conveniently, our schedules worked out that I had class when she didn't and vice versa. So twice a week, I watched her, her infant that I started watching at six weeks old until we graduated when he was eight months old. And I was called the Manny on campus. <laughs> what, what, what is being done from the state of California to encourage students to help their classmates to care for infants that they want to keep rather than just 
depriving them of nutrients in utero with an abortion pill funded by your student fees. Yeah, nothing at all, because these people are not pro-choice. They're pro-one decision, aren't they? Pro-abortion. Now, this piece of legislation, SB 24, sponsored by Connie Leva, um, obviously only encourages one choice. And so on her website, she explains her decision. She says, quote, this important legislation will help to improve the academic success of students and empower them to make decisions supportive of their own personal and professional futures. I mean, you know this, right? This is just the euphemistic doublespeak of the abortion juggernaut to make abortion sound actually empowering and not like feticide. So translation from Senator Connie Leva, you need to kill your baby in order to achieve academic success and empowerment. And I'm happy to help you do that. This is our wonderful state. And this piece of legislation will be signed by our new governor if it, if it um, is voted on favorably. So how does the abortion pill work? Okay, I've been talking about RU486. Maybe you're not aware of this, but abortions that are performed through the first 10 weeks of pregnancy are not surgical abortions. They're medical abortions, medication abortions, pill-based abortions. And this is when a large majority of abortions are performed, right? Because they're cheaper. It's cheaper to kill a baby when it's less developed. And they're more widely available because lots of states have restrictions on later-term abortions, right? So this type of abortion is very common. But what, what is the abortion pill? How does this work? Because this is being pushed as a pro-health decision. We're helping women with their health because they're being provided at college health centers. Well, is the RU486 abortion pill conducive to women's health? What is it and what does it do? Well, it is taken up to 10 weeks gestation and it actually includes two different medications. Now, many people got a brutal picture of the reality of RU486 recently when they watched the new pro-life film Unplanned because it has a scene that brutally depicts the reality that is involved with RU486 and the experience, the painful experience that many women go through in taking the RU486 pill. So you actually take two different pills. The first one is Mifepristone and the second is Misoprostol. Mifepristone blocks the hormone progesterone, which is necessary in stabilizing the lining of the uterus around where the baby lives. And without progesterone, the lining of the uterus starts to break down, cutting off blood and nourishment from the baby who is slowly starved to death. Okay, so that's what the first pill does. And, and, a, and a college student would potentially be taking that pill in the health center before she leaves. Then a couple days later, after her baby has been starved to death and murdered, She'll take a pill called misoprostol, and that causes contractions, forcibly causes contractions, because of course this is unnatural, right? Contractions are supposed to happen as you're getting ready to give birth, not at 10 weeks when your baby's still developing. So it forcibly causes contractions to occur, dispelling the murdered baby. So this is how RU486 works. And the FDA has publicly available information regarding the risks and effects of RU486. And yet the abortion rights movement wants to shh, cover those up and create lies because they can make a lot of money selling abortion pills because over 90% of the abortions in our country are performed in the first trimester. And a large percentage of first trimester abortions are performed before the 10th week of gestation via 
RU486. Well, FD, the FDA says that risk and effects of the RU486 abortion pill can include abdominal pain, nausea, vomiting, diarrhea, headaches, heavy bleeding, and even maternal death. I, that, that would make a great ad, wouldn't it? If if the producers of the abortion pill created honest advertisements, you know, the, the, the advertisements on pills where they say it all fast may include headache, blah, 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 or death. Yeah, let, let's see an honest ad on RU486 using that language. According to the FDA, 24 women have died taking RU486 since it became publicly available on the open market. Average bleeding, according to the FB, FDA, lasts 9 to 16 days after your dead baby is dispelled after taking misoprostol. And 8% of women will endure heavy bleeding for more than 30 days. 8% is not an insignificant number. This is not a safe piece of medication. And of course it's not because it's unnatural. This is a baby. It's a human. Your uterus was designed to grow life. Of course there's side effects and repercussions. On June 18th, 2018, Live Action News published an article. And in it, they cite a 2000 Oxford University Press study, which found, according to the article, quote, that the average failure rate of a medication abortion is 8%. An 8% failure rate means that about one in every 12 chemical abortion attempts will be unsuccessful, which means women will need to be subjected to a surgical abortion, which of course also has its own risks, according to live action news. So if, if you take the publicly available information from the 2000 Oxford University Press study, that 8% of RU486 abortions will be unsuccessful, that translates to 1 in 12 medication abortions being unsuccessful, which means they have to come back in for a surgical abortion. Now, is Senator Connie Leva making that information publicly available? Is that information available in the, um, in the new piece of legislation, SB24, that our state's going to be voting on at the end of the month? No, of course not because these people do not care about women's health. They're perfectly willing to endanger women's health for political and financial gain. Now, in one second, we're going to discuss the abortion movement's complete ignoral of the health risks associated with RU486 and their attempt to ramrod this bill through with fake medical studies. But first, let's calm down. I have an exciting announcement for you. As I've mentioned recently, this fall in partnership with Students for Life of America, I'm going on the road for my university speaking tour called Abortion is Genocide. I'm currently booked at Fresno State University, Cal State Long Beach, Cal Poly Slow, um, Berkeley, with many more to come. And I am going to be taking this university tour on the road through the spring semester for the entire year. And this is an important lecture because... Probably three of the most offensive words you could put together in a single sentence for the pro-choice movement is that abortion is genocide. Now, we don't do that to intentionally offend people. We do that to get people to rethink abortion in a larger historical framework. That larger historical framework entailing the strategy of dehumanizing a class of human beings that you want to mistreat or murder for your own political gain. And unfortunately, those who dehumanized the African-American population in our country and Jews in Germany use the same strategy that those in the abortion rights movement do.
Because if you can convince an entire society that a certain class of human beings are not persons and do not have rights, it becomes very easy to rationalize or justify their mistreatment or slaughter. And that is what is happening in the issue of abortion. So while circumstantially different than the Holocaust or slavery, abortion is a, is a fatal misstep and repetition of history that utilizes the dangerous tactics of genocide and dehumanization. So we're going to be talking about abortion in that framework. And I think it's going to be an exciting tour that brings a lot of people, even if they're just coming because they're pissed off of the name of the lecture. And we're going to have Q&A and we're going to engage and have those conversations. So if you're a college student, if you lead a Students for Life club or a pro-life club or a Christian club or a Catholic club or a philosophy club and want to engage with these types of ideas, then let me know. Contact me through social media and we can get this event set up at your university campus. We will be back in one second. So welcome back to the show. So if you were disturbed by what you just heard regarding the state of California's intention, it seems, to ramrod this SB 24 piece of legislation to mandate and require state college campuses to provide abortion pills in their health centers, completely ignoring the FDA risks involved with that medication, then just wait to hear what follows. So there's a very interesting component to this conversation, isn't there? Because in the name of health, <laughs> the state of California is going to attempt to offer medication to young women that that not only kills their baby, but endangers their health and all provided at their health centers. <laughs> it's a very odd, odd approach to the issue. But, but of course, there's, there's nothing in the abortion rights movement that makes sense, right? Because it's an inverted reality, right? Everything about the human spirit wants to care for the vulnerable or, or at least hates to see the vulnerable misused and taken advantage of. Well, that's what abortion does. And so instead it's celebrated. Right? And the, the, the normal maternal and paternal instincts are to care for the young, while abortion dismembers the youngest members of society. So, so of course, nothing about this makes sense because nothing about the, the abortion worldview makes sense. And so in order to make it make sense, right, just like genocide uses, uses euphemistic dehumanizing terms to make the acts in question seem less bad, so too do abortion leaders participate in euphemistic language to re-describe the true nature of reality as something that is an easier pill to swallow, no pun intended. And so abortion advocates have been pushing a narrative that uh, the abortion pill is as safe as Tylenol. Yes, as safe as Tylenol. Now, I don't remember the last time I read an FDA label saying that uh, 24 people have died of Tylenol since it hit the open market and you might bleed for 30 days and uh, and your headache might not go away and then you might die. I mean, but yet Cecile Richards, the former president of Planned Parenthood, a, a, a radical defender of feticide if there ever was one, wrote a June 13th, 2018 article in the Los Angeles Times Opinion Editorial. And this is what she said. This was shortly before she stepped down. She said, quote, approved by the Food and Drug Administration in 2000, non-invasive medication abortion is safe by all measures, safer than Tylenol and Viagra even. 
That's why many women choose it over surgical abortion, which is already one of the safest medical procedures. No, no, Cecile Richards. Many women choose medication abortion because it's cheaper and because it's easier for you to convince them to get an abortion at that stage because they can't feel their baby kick yet. They're more likely to believe the lie that it's just a blob of tissue and their state probably will not have any restrictions on abortion that early. That's why many women choose medication abortion, not because it's as safe as Viagra or Tylenol, for goodness sake. And yet, and yet this is the narrative. And this is what our state and Senator Connie Leva and everyone who's supporting this bill is running with. Of course they're running with it. If they were to put in all of the FDA concerns into this piece of legislation, do you think anyone would be supporting it except, except radical members of the left? No. Most Democrats would, who, who support abortion even would say, no, this is not okay. But of course, this information is not known to large majorities of the American public because those who are responsible for pushing narratives regarding abortion are pushing biased narratives that aren't going to discuss the realities of the concerns and risks involved with abortion, even if it is medication abortion. And yet the FDA acknowledges that the abortion pill can be very dangerous and therefore has requirements for prescribers of the abortion pill. Okay, the FDA has requirements for people who are going to sell it or prescribe it to women. And here's what they have to say regarding those who would want to prescribe or sell RU486. This is from the FDA. Healthcare providers who would like to become certified to prescribe Mifeprex, that's the name of the RU486 bill, must have the ability to date pregnancies accurately and to diagnose ectopic pregnancies. Healthcare providers must also be able to provide any necessary surgical intervention. Why? Because remember, 8% are not going to be successful, so women have to come back in for surgical abortions. Or have made arrangements for others to provide for such care. Healthcare providers must be able to ensure that women have access to medical facilities for emergency care. Why would they need emergency care if it's, just a, if it's just a pill like Tylenol? Because it's not. It's dangerous for women. And of course, it's dangerous for the children inside them for whom it's intended to kill. So what's been the abortion movement's response to all of this? Well, live action, again, they've been covering this exhaustively and, and very, very effectively, has, has their August 7th article from this month. And they say, quote, pro-abortion researchers who stand to personally benefit from the sale of the abortion pill regimen are currently attempting to convince the FDA to get rid of these safeguards that we just discussed through the use of multiple expansive clinical trials that have one goal in mind, make the abortion pill more readily available. So they're trying to contrive fake medical studies to push a separate narrative to get the FDA to change the requirements for prescribers of the abortion pill so that they can ramrod SB24 onto public university campuses and make a ton of money off of killing the unborn children of pregnant female college students in their dorm room. That's what's going on here, and this is going to be voted on probably by the end of August. Live Action has another article from July 18th last month called who's behind a study pushing easier abortion pill access people who stand to gain from it <laughs> and in their report they they report that that uc um that the uh, uc san francisco okay and uc davis 
have both sponsored clinical trials attempting to expand abortion, pushing pharmacy dispension of abortion pills, and trying to discredit the abortion pill reversal. Okay, now this is a pill that has been very effective in saving the lives of unborn children whose mothers decide that after they take um, mifoprostol, they don't want to end the life of their baby. And the abortion pill reversal has been being used very effectively by pregnancy care clinics, most notably Obria, to save the lives of babies whose mothers have changed their mind after they've taken the first piece of the pill. This is amazing. Literally lives are being saved because of the abortion pill reversal, which is basically just a ton of progesterone that you're being injected with, that you're taking because it's been, it's been blocking the hormone progesterone, which leads to depriving your unborn child of nutrients. So, quote, the article goes on and says, UC is funded, okay, so the, so the college is performing these trials. UC is funded by known population control advocates who have a vested interest in abortion, as well as original investors of abortion pill manufacturer Danko. One of those investors being the David and Lucille Packard Foundation, a far left, radical leftist foundation that sends millions to those in the abortion rights movement. And according to Zoom Info, where you can just get publicly available information on companies, Danko Laboratories, which was formed specifically to bring the RU486 drug to market, has an annual revenue of $8.4 million. And then, of course, that's being turned around and resold, of course, for much higher profit. So there's a huge financial incentive here to push this the, the, the abortion pill onto young, vulnerable female college students who think that abortion is their only option in order to continue their education and pursue a career after college. So this is all about profit over people. Those who claim to care about women's health and even describe abortion as women's health care have no concern with women's health whatsoever. Now, certainly not unborn women's health, right? Let's just ironically point that out. They're murdering unborn women, so they have no concern for their health. But even the pregnant women who want to obtain abortions, the, abor the abortion juggernaut has, does not care about these women's health. If they did, they would be including the risks in their bill, at the very least. At the very most, if you really wanted to prove you cared about women's health, you wouldn't even be proposing this piece of crap legislation. We all know that. If 24 women have died from the RU486 pill and others are going to bleed for 30 days and have painful contractions for a month, why would you be, why would you be prescribing this and trying to sell this to young college students and telling them that it's as safe as Tylenol? Both things cannot be true. You cannot care about women's health and also support making the RU486 pill available on college campuses. You, you have to pick one or the other. So this is all about profit over people. And Connie Leva's SB24 bill does not acknowledge the dangers of RU486 whatsoever or propose to arrange the necessary requirements to meet the FDA's requirements for prescribers of the abortion pill, which is why they're trying to contrive these fake medical studies in order to challenge and change the FDA's requirements so that they can provide these on college health centers. So what does that tell you? What does that tell you? You think these people care about women's health? They don't. The abortion industry is a money-making business. 
And so they want to make money on the selling of abortion pills, the selling of the dismemberment of children, and of course then the selling of those dead baby body parts on the black market, which of course if you're in the pro-life movement in any way, shape, or form, you know about. So this is what is really happening behind this piece of legislation. And thankfully, organizations like Live Action and particularly Students for Life of America are working very hard to educate California citizens and, and fight this legislation. And of course they should. Of course college students should be doing that. This is going to be impacting them. And parents should be fighting this as those who are paying the tuition of their students to be treated as abortion prospects by the college's health center in relationship, in conjunction with the state of California. Of course, this should be concerning to everyone. This should concern you even if you're pro-choice because assuming you actually do care about women's health, but you just don't include the unborn child as a person, you should, you, this should be concerning to you because female college students are going to be bleeding all over their college restroom dorm rooms dispelling their dead baby in the toilet and potentially having painful contractions that drive them out of their classes for a month. How is that pro-health? This is all about profit over people. That's what's driving this legislation. Now, moving on to other news. Pete Buttigieg, mayor of South Bend, Indiana, and presidential hopeful, has been rushing to the defense of his city's unlicensed abortion clinic. <laughs> this, this is also very concerning and part of the larger narrative here of profit over people. So on August 6, the Chicago Tribune broke a very long story detailing what's happening um, with this case. And it, it's fairly unbiased. It's, it's fairly fair in its reporting. So I'd encourage you to check it out. It's called South Bend at Center of Abortion Debate as unlicensed clinic supported by Mayor Pete Buttigieg is allowed to open via court injunction. So this clinic is called the Whole Woman's Health of South Bend. And it's part of Whole Women's Health Alliance. It's a chain of abortion clinics. Okay, so it's part of a parent company. And they have been in a battle over a license for nearly two years as the only abortion clinic in South Bend. So there's more financial incentives, see, in, for the abortion juggernaut to keep this clinic open because it's the only one. So we can make a ton of money on killing all of the babies that live in their mother's wombs in South Bend. So as the story reports, quote, the state health department has denied the clinic's 2017 application for a license over allegations it failed to meet the requirements of, quote, reputable and responsible character, as well as for not releasing information related to additional clinics. Now, if you're an abortion clinic, if you're a chain of abortion clinics and you, you your, your pitch and your shtick is that you care about women's health, wouldn't you do everything you can and go out of your way to provide all the information that the state health department is requesting so that you can open your doors with the support of the state health department? Without the support of the state health department, the citizens of Indiana, arguably even pro-choice citizens, will be concerned with the fact that you're existing. Because even people who support abortion understand that you have to have safety measures involved in performing abortions. Even people who are pro-choice know that forcibly dilating women's cervix before childbirth can be dangerous, right? So to not even have the health license from the state of Indiana is very concerning. So what do, what do they do? Whole Women's Health Alliance sued and a federal judge ruled in May that it may open without a license. Since then, according to the story, quote, Whole Women's Health of South Bend has served roughly three dozen patients so far in its first month an average of 10, about 10 each week. 
according to Brenda Morgan, the clinic health manager. So in other words, Whole Women's Health Center is so eager to make money as the only killer of unborn babies in South Bend that rather than going out of their way to comply with the state health department and give them all the information they need, they sued the state health department and either had a federal judge in their pocket or by happenstance, the federal judge was, which is, was incredibly pro-abortion and ruled in their defense. Now, by the way, the clinic only provides medication abortions like we just talked about, up to 10 weeks gestation. They only provide the RU-46 pill, which now you know everything about. So there's the health concerns with providing the RU-486 pill, obviously. And then there's the health concerns and moral concerns with the only killer of unborn children in South Bend refusing to cooperate with the state health department in order to get a health license, which is ironic in its own right because they're killing babies and abortion is unsafe for women. So again, the, the Chicago, Chicago Tribune article goes on, quote, U.S. District Judge, here's the judge who ruled in their defense, Sarah Evans Barker, noted the burdens of legal restrictions and travel, saying that, quote, the obstacles to obtaining abortion in northern Indiana are such that women find it easier to travel out of the state to Chicago, bypassing nearby Merrillville to obtain abortions there. So this is interesting, huh? Barker, this judge, pro-abortion judge, who, who's perfectly willing to let unlicensed abortion clinics operate, is not concerned about alleviating the, quote, she says, burdens. She's not concerned about alleviating the burdens in women's lives that make them feel like abortion is their only choice or option. The only burden that she is interested in alleviating is the burden of how difficult it is to kill your child. <laughs> Think about that for a second. How is that a pro-choice position? Again, we should be challenging this disgusting euphemistic language of pro-choice. If you were pro-choice, you would be pro-information and pro-making all choices available. But you don't make the information regarding the RU486 pill available. You're probably not telling the citizens in Indiana that this abortion clinic is unlicensed. They probably only know it because of thankfully unbiased news reporters. No, you're only concerned about alleviating the burdens of how difficult it is to kill your unborn children in Indiana. Thankfully, the Indiana Attorney General is very pro-life, Curtis Hill. And according to the South Bend Tribune on June 3rd, quote, this federal judge, he, this is General Cur Attorney General Curtis Hill saying, this federal judge, talking about Sarah Barker, seems to believe that every large city in the state is entitled to its own abortion clinic, he said in the news release. She further seems to think that state licensing requirements must give way whenever a clinic proposes to open in a city without one. The U.S. Supreme Court has never even remotely implied that such a rule exists. Of course they haven't, and of course they haven't. Oh, well, as long as you're a city in which there isn't an abortion mill that, that makes blood money off dismembering children, then all state health requirements just go out the window because we just need more, more abortion mills more abortion mortuaries. My goodness. But, but, but this is the narrative, right? Abortion is so important. And, and, and so if we, can, if we can use language that convinces South Bend, Indiana citizens to support the opening of the clinic, 
then that will enable us to kill more babies. And obviously they've been very successful doing it already. They've had a lot of women coming in for abortions. This is all about profit over people. You cannot reconcile these people's decisions with the belief that we have to care about women's health. They're irreconcilable. You're letting an abortion clinic unlicensed by the Indiana State Health Department operate via federal court injunction after suing the state's health department. This is not pro-women's health. This is not pro-choice. Now, in one second, we're going to examine why the Indiana State Health Department has refused to grant the Whole Women's Health Center a health license and the horrible health pattern, horrible pattern of health violations the abortion chain has and Mayor Pete's response to all this. But first, if you like this show and want to hear more great content from the front lines of the abortion wars, then head on over to patreon.com slash unaborted and become a patron of this show. Help support this show. I, I, and I know you get asked a lot by a lot of people and a lot of causes for your money. But this January is going to mark 47 years of legalized abortion and over 60 million dead babies. But life is winning again in America. You know this. You've been following the news. However, the defenders of abortion are doing everything they can to shut down dialogue and de-platform shows that discuss triggering ideas like this one. But with your help, we can continue to produce this show, bring you more content, start bringing you interviews with leaders in the pro-life movement, and increase our production value and provide a one-stop shop for pro-life individuals like yourself to get encouragement, training, education, and a bit of humor so that you can go back out in your life and be a voice for the unborn children in our midst. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Unaborted. So as we were just discussing, there's obviously a reason why the Indiana State Health Department is so concerned with the reputable character concerns for the Whole Women's Health Abortion Clinic in South Bend, Indiana, the only one that a federal judge ruled to allow to stay open despite being unlicensed and, and superseding the Indiana State Health Department. So what did the Indiana State Health Department mean when they said that the Whole Woman's Health Center, quote, failed to meet the requirements of reputable and responsible character? What, what is the concern here? They, they blocked their health license in 2017. Here we are two years later. And the abortion clinic sued the state health department to get a pro-abortion federal judge to enable them to open after two years of trying to open. So, so, so what's exactly going on here? Again, obviously, there are health concerns with not being licensed by the health state department. And we're about to see how concerning those concerns really are. So the Texas-based abortion chain, Whole Women's Health Alliance, of which the South Bend, Indiana location is but one, has amassed dozens of health and safety violations over the years. And leading pro-life organizations have been reporting on these health violations for years this particular abortion chain, Whole Women's Health Alliance. Now, the South Bend, Indiana location is just now getting a lot of news attention, but the chain as a whole has been exposed multiple times by groups like, and then there were none, Abby Johnson's group, and Live Action, Life Site News, Life News, all of these groups that report the real facts going on in the abortion wars. So Live Action News has an article from February 2016 detailing the long history of health violations that Whole Women's Health Alliance has amassed. 
So here's some of them, and I'll give them to you by year. This is very concerning. Remember, again, this, this choices are being defended because we have to care about women's health care. It's all about women's health. We have, to, we have to trust women to make decisions about their own health. How can you care about health while allowing an abortion clinic to, to remain open and operating without a state health license? Well, your concerns are about to be increased tenfold. So in 2007, the state of Texas took disciplinary action against Whole Woman's Health Alliance of Beaumont for failure to have licensed nursing staff at the facility. In 2011, Operation Rescue released info documenting widespread abuses at a dozen Texas abortion facilities, with Whole Women's Health being among the worst offenders, where bloody medical waste and patient logs covered in blood were thrown in an outside dumpster. Again in 2011, the state health inspectors at Whole Women's Health in Beaumont found, quote, numerous rusty spots on the suction machine used on the patient. For an abortion. So here I'm, I'm, I'm ripping the arms off of your child with my vacuum in your uterus and now it's getting rusty because I'm not properly cleaning it and then I'm using that on other women. How is that good for women's health? My goodness. In 2012, the Texas Medical Board disciplined two whole women health abortionists for violating standards of patient care and they were each fined $3,000 and required to take a medical education course. Now, if you're killing babies and forcibly dilating women's cervix in order to do so, while obviously that doesn't fit in the realm of healthcare, you would think that they would at least be medically educated on how to do that properly. But they were forced to take more courses on medical education. In 2012, again, health inspectors visited Whole Woman Health in Beaumont, so obviously a repeat offender here, and found that the, quote, staff was still not knowledgeable in the proper procedure for sterilizing instruments and the facility had an infection control issue. And, quote, staff members failed to perform correct procedures for the sterilization of the surgical instruments. Which means the instruments that they're, that they're sliding upside up women's birth canals into their uterus to kill their babies aren't even properly being sterilized before being reinserted up other women's birth canals. My goodness. Abby Johnson's organization, and then there were none, that seeks to help get abortionists and abortion workers out of the industry and do all that they can to encourage and equip them to do that and find other careers. Detailed inspection reports, in, they received uh, detailed inspection reports in 2017 detailing dozens of health code violations against four different operating women's health centers between the years 2011 and 2017. This is available on the website and the scans of the health inspection reports are there too. The, the reports found that these centers failed to properly disinfect and sterilize instruments that were used from woman to woman, so same problem, failed to provide a safe and sanitary environment, products of conception, dead babies, were being examined and, contam and contaminated instruments were being washed in the same room, emergency carts contained expired supplies and medications, there were cracks, rips, and tears on the vinyl covers of exam tables, there was a hole in the cabinet flooring of the clinic that the health inspectors, quote, said, quote, had the likelihood to allow rodents to enter the facility, probably to feed on the dead baby parts. I'm not kidding. And suction machines had numerous rusty spots having, quote, likelihood to cause infection. Profit over people. Profit over people. If we can, if we can cut our bottom line 
by not spending money on new equipment we need to kill babies, on disinfectants to clean it, on allowing staff to go home before surgical equipment is properly cleaned in order to pay them less so we can make more money and keep more of the money we make on killing babies. And that's perfectly acceptable because profit over people. This is not about people caring about women's health whatsoever. It's about violating women's health care in the name of women's health care and calling your clinic a health center. So how does, how does Mayor Pete Buttigieg and presidential candidate respond to all of this? This is his city. Well, the Chicago Tribune reports, the clinic's tenuous survival has been championed by South Bend mayor and Democratic presidential candidate Pete Buttigieg, whose national campaign includes a pro-reproductive rights platform. The mayor is deeply concerned by what he views as a new and extreme assault on Roe versus Wade in legislatures across the country, said National Press Secretary Chris Meager. He believes that the truly radical idea in this debate and around abortion care is one of banning abortion outright. The South Bend Clinic would be the only one for a radius of several counties. It is a restriction on a woman's right if she is low income or doesn't have a vehicle and she has to visit multiple times, but the clinic is dozens of miles away. Unbelievable. So in other words, we want to bring more money into our city by having an operating abortion clinic. Pete Buttigieg wants to virtue signal and politically pander to those whose votes he wants to be seen as a radical defender of women's health care while publicly defending a clinic that is compromising women's health care. There you go. There's your, there's, your, there's your objective breakdown that actually reflects reality. You cannot have an operating clinic with all of these health violations that the Indiana State Health Board realizes compromise reputable character concerns. Now, regarding abortion-minded women in the federal poverty level, we need to examine some of these statistics because, as we just read, the reason that his national press secretary says Pete Buttigieg is so concerned about this clinic not being open is because low-income women, those without vehicles, you know, they're going to have to drive dozens of miles away. It's going to be really inconvenient for them to kill their baby. They're going to have to go out of their way and spend money that they probably don't even have to arrange the death of their children, right? So, so Pete Buttigieg is making an argument here that abortion is necessary, particularly for low-income women who can't afford to raise their child, right? So financial difficulty is a sufficient justification for feticide. So let's look at abortion-minded women in the federal poverty level. In January 2018, there's a Guttmacher Institute report, which is Planned Parenthood Statistical Research Branch, reporting that 75% of abortion patients in 2014 were poor or low income. That's a mass. That's three quarters of the abortions. 26% of patients had incomes of 100 to 199% of the federal poverty level, and 49% had incomes less than 100% of the federal poverty level. Almost half of the abortions performed in 2014, according to the Guttmacher Institute, were performed on women under the federal poverty level. So, so what does this really mean? What it really means is that there is a massive financial incentive for the abortion juggernaut to have abortion clinics available in neighborhoods where there are low-income women. 
low-income women become, become business prospects for abortion clinics because they're going to need more abortions than, than most families in the American public. So, so there's a lot of money to be made on killing the children of women who are under or right at the federal poverty level. This is what I'm talking about. This is profit over people. They're not concerned about alleviating the poverty seemingly or else they would just, I guess they would just give the abortions for free. They really cared about their income problem. They're not concerned about the health, letting an unlicensed health clinic remain open and ignoring all of the violations this abortion chain has amassed. And the Whole Women's Health Center in South Bend, Indiana has refused to release reports regarding their other clinics that the Indiana State Health Board is requesting in order to make a final decision about whether they get a health license or not. So how radical is Pete Buttigieg on endangering women's health by supporting an abortion clinic with a long, long history of endangering women's health? Well, I'll tell you how radical he gets. The Chicago Tribune continues his story saying, last year, Buttigieg ignited a local firestorm when he vetoed a zoning request by the Women's Care Center, an anti-abortion pregnancy center that attempted to open next door to the whole Women's Health of South Bend. In a letter to other city leaders, he argued that the neighborhood would not benefit from adjacent organizations with, quote, deep and opposite commitments on the most divisive social issue of our time. That's how radical Pete Buttigieg is. Now, he's a highly intellectual person, and uh, um, he is very good at making his radical position sound not so radical because he's very good at language. He's highly educated. He's very good at speaking on his feet. But, but this is incredibly radical. Listen to how he says that. Our neighborhood would not benefit from adjacent organizations with deep and opposite commitments on the most divisive social issue of our time. No, no, you hate people who want to save babies so much that you, you vetoed a zoning request to allow a pregnancy center to open up next to the abortion clinic. Here, here is how radical Pete Buttigieg actually is. On May 23rd, 2019, the Planned Parenthood Action Twitter account released a video of Pete Buttigieg pretending to care about women's health. So listen to Pete Buttigieg lie as he says that he cares about women and their health. Uh, I trust women to make the decisions uh, about their bodies and about their lives uh, that are going to uh, affect their future and to see the erosion and even assault on those rights coming out of places like the all-male Senate vote in the Alabama legislature shows that you cannot take these rights for granted, especially with the actions that are happening here in Washington in coordination with what's happening in state capitals, particularly in the South. Unbelievable. So here's Pete Buttigieg lying to the American public in a video taken by Planned Parenthood Action saying that he trusts women to make the decisions about their bodies and their lives that are going to affect their future. Tell me, Pete Buttigieg, how is enabling a, an abortion clinic to remain open, unlicensed by the state health department, with a history of dozens and dozens and dozens of health violations from their various locations, supporting women's decisions to make their own health decisions. How is that supporting women to make decisions about their bodies? It seems that you're actually supporting a organization that has a long history of compromising women's decisions about their health that could potentially affect their future, to use your language. 
are, are these Whole Women's Health locations telling? The women that are coming in for abortions that, by the way, that, you know, our other locations, particularly the ones in Texas, got cited by the Texas State Health Board for having rusty suction abortion machines and not pr properly sterilizing and washing the abortion instruments that we use to tear the limbs off of your unborn children. <laughs> yeah, right. They're not telling the women coming in for abortions that, the, that their reputation and the tools that they use to perform abortion could potentially make decisions about their bodies that would affect their lives. But you say you trust women to make decisions about their bodies and their lives are going to affect their future. What if one of these women gets an infection from one of these unwashed, unsterilized abortion instruments that she was never told about? It seems like her decisions are being violated and someone else is making decisions that is affecting her health and her future. But here Pete Buttigieg lying to the American public saying that he trusts women to make decisions about their health while supporting the operation of a clinic unlicensed by the Indiana State Health Department with a long history of violating health requirements in order to operate in the first place. So pick your narrative, Pete Buttigieg. Pick your narrative, Senator Leva. Pick your narrative, State of California. Pick your narrative, abortion juggernaut. Are, 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 is your narrative abortion is about women's health care? Or is your narrative abortion is about blood money? Pick your narrative. Because if it's about women's health care, then by definition, you have to oppose the operation of clinics who are not licensed by their state health boards and refuse to release information it's about their other clinics that the state health department has significant concerns about. If, you're, if your shtick is abortion is about women's health care, you can't support the federally forcing state colleges in California to provide abortion pills that the FDA doesn't even allow colleges to carry and says that 24 women have died and that they could bleed for 30 days and have contractions for, for a month that are extremely painful. And you're not even telling women that. So either abortion is about women's health care or it's about blood money. It's about you getting rich, rich off of the killing of children. We know which narrative is true. And this is these are things you should be bringing up to people in your life, by the way. Okay, so if you have pro-choice friends in your life, I'm assuming that they're not informed about this and I'm assuming that they're not so radical that they would turn a blind eye to this. Most pro-choice people, most are just blinded and confused. They don't know all the facts and they actually believe that, that value comes from what you can or cannot do. Right? Your size, your level of development. You know, so they're intentionally defining the unborn out of existence. But they would still be very concerned about things that actually compromise the health of pregnant women, which should therefore make them more concerned about Planned Parenthood and abortion clinics that are, that are shoving this operation despite the concern. So bring these questions up to people in your life. Ask them, hey, are you aware of this? And did you know that they're not licensed and that you, you, know, you mentioned you like Pete Buttigieg, that he supports it and that, and that uh, and he's allowing it to stay open? Did you know the state of California is not going to tell 19-year-old freshmen on college campuses that an RU486 pill could, could lead to their death or cause them to be bleeding in classrooms and having painful contractions that drive them to their knees for a month? I think most people would want that information publicly available. Obviously, as pro-lifers, we've known for a long time that this is about profit over people. We've known that. Here's a couple examples. According to the Gumacher Institute, 18 to 24-year-old women account for 43% of the annual abortions. 
And then a Students for Life of America study in 2012 found out that out of the 780 estimated Planned Parenthood affiliates across America, okay, 78.8% are located within five miles of a college or university. That's 615 of the 780 estimated Planned Parenthood affiliates are located within five miles of a college or university. Yeah, this is all about profit because college-age women are the largest percentage of abortion prospects of women who obtain abortions. Here's another example. According to the U.S. Census Bureau, African-Americans account for 13.4% of the population, but obtained 36% of the country's abortions in 2015, according to the CDC. And then the Center for Urban Renewal and Education published a policy report in 2015 entitled The Effects of Abortion on the Black Community. And they cited a study by Protecting Black Life that found that 79% of Planned Parenthood surgical abortion facilities are strategically located within walking distance of African and or Hispanic communities. Interesting. 79%, my goodness, nearly 80% are located within walking distance of communities with a high population of African-Americans because while they account for 13% of the American population, they obtain over a third of the abortions every year. Obviously, this is racism as well, but this is also profit over people. This is a financial incentive for the abortion juggernaut to specifically target prospects that are more likely to make them more money off of the killing of their children. We're seeing that with RU486 on college campuses. We're seeing that in the strategic location of abortion clinics in college campuses. And we're seeing that in South Bend with Pete Buttigieg wanting to ensure that low-income women have access to abortion because low-income women make up a vast percentage of the abortions every year in the United States of America. Here's the facts, guys. Build your own opinions. Ask the people in your lives whether this is acceptable particularly as we lead up to the 2020 election in which every Democratic presidential candidate supports abortion to the day of birth, supports repealing the Hyde Amendment, forcing your tax dollars to specifically fund abortion, and all and the senators all voted against a bill that would have simply said you have to give an appropriate amount of medical care and attention to babies who are born alive and arriving on the table and survived failed abortions. This is the Democratic Party, the party of abortion, the party of infanticide, the party of profit over people. Well, that's what we have time for for today. Thank you for joining me for Unaborted today. Hey, head on over to iTunes and YouTube and Spotify and give this show a review and a rating so we can reach more people with the truth regarding the abortion wars. If you want to learn more and engage with me online, head on over to sethgruber.com, S-E-T-H-G-R-U-B as in baby boy, E-R.com for training videos, my speaking schedule, which is blowing up in the fall. And you can come hear me speak. Um, and to subscribe to my newsletter and get my kind of training in your inbox and updates and all that. So until next week, I'm Seth Gruber and this is Unaborted.